Welcome back to Ross Never Sleeps on the Never Sleeps Network. We didn't think we'd be starting with so many comedian episodes right off the bat, but we've been very fortunate. And this episode features probably the reason why we've been so fortunate. The owner and proprietor of Comedy Bar and Bad Dog Theater, Gary Rideout Jr., and his partner in crime, Pat Thornton, a legend when it comes to Toronto comedy, famous for his 24 hours of live stand-up event, which happens annually. These guys really don't need too much of an introduction. They have been a real help to us in the early stages, getting us in contact with a lot of comedians that are, you know, their home is the comedy bar, and the comedy bar represents an independent scene here in Toronto, a comedy scene that is unlike the commercialized versions that you'll see at the more, let's say, national known comedy clubs. So just a real big thank you to Gary and Pat for coming on the show, being absolutely hilarious. I, I joke in the episode about how I just really wanted Pat to come so I can make him laugh. That's really one of the only reasons why I'm doing this show in general, is to take legends and, and what I'd like to think are friends of mine now, like Pat, and, and say that I've made people who've made me laugh some of my entire you know youth, and I've had the opportunity to sit with them and and really get some great answers out of them. And it's just been a real pleasure and an honor. And without further ado, again, Pat and Gary. Pretty sure someone said to dish it out, you must take it. kind of swarm people that are coming to us to meet about our network mm-hmm. and we force them onto the mics you just say, yeah then that just, is a podcast oh that's right okay it's a meta podcast <laughs> I, I was super confused about what was happening but I, I was just playing it cool like i was like all up to what i thought was you were really on. cool thank you yeah Oh, well, this is... Um, like you're what? rating how well I played it cool? <laughs> yeah, I thought really or just cool. really cool? Yeah. This is what we do to a lot of our friends, and then other friends invite people over, and they don't know... To the sunroom, you mean. <laughs> yeah, no, this is one of the sunrooms, actually. I think every room that has windows could technically be called a sunroom. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's yeah. a... We also, should be bringing outdoors. that word back. Just outside is all one giant sunroom. And, like, if you had a room on the sun, what is that? Oh. Uh, this room is even two rooms, I noticed, sort of, right? So this, uh, we'll call this studio where you're in, right. yeah. was uh, built in the 80s. Uh-huh. This addition, this table with a carpet that I stapled onto it, um, we started this about... Well, I stapled this nice. Uh, thank you. I know, I actually got a staple gun, and I, the corners are, you can like flip and touch them. That's uh, Gary sipping his his Tim Hortons coffee. So you guys, yeah, are in the sunroom. This is a room on the That's sun. How, sorry, I'm sorry. That's a tea. It's a tea. Oh. It's a steep tea. I just are you yeah. a switchover guy? Where you like, oh, I've drank too much coffee and now tea for life. I was never ever a coffee guy. Oh, me either. Not a coffee guy. <laughs> My friends Dan Gallia, yes, uh-huh. and Helder Brum mm-hmm. said that uh, Pat Thornton should come and uh, hang out with us at the studio and I'm check here. out I'm right here what's going on here, what they've been a part of, and uh, we wanted to surprise Pat, and Pat has surprised us by bringing Gary. 
Gary. Hey guys. Sorry. We can start, we can start a Gary chant. That's cool. I tag along. Gary. 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 I'm not gonna get in on this. Though. It'll get weird. Just throw in a Gary. Gary. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna talk about the show. You guys coming on and maybe doing a show. Yeah. And uh, I really got to say, like, I, I know we got to get all, like, the bullshit small talk out. I'm a big fan. Always have been. Gary, I know I already said it. I'll say it again. My dad goes to the comedy bar to see, like, the Mysterion shows mm-hmm. and the... That's the coolest thing you have there. <laughs> the... the, the... <laughs> These guys... The guy just said his dad goes to it, man. It's... What are you doing? My dad lives for that stuff, though. My dad is a big Jim Rose fan. Sorry, did you say Jim Rolls? Jim Rose. Oh, I know Jim okay. Rose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Those sideshow stuff. Those sideshow right? stuff. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Mysterion's like the only thing. Oh, they do that other show the too. Oddities. Uh, oh yeah, he does. Yeah, he does the Commonwealth Wrestling, but he does another show that is the side stage. The like it's all side stage stuff. Um, it's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. I mean, my dad's hip. And he goes. He anytime you guys have a show in your back room, or, or I guess Mysterion does it in the front room. What do you call the difference between the two? The main, the main stage, stage and, and a cabaret? cabaret. Yeah, yeah okay. they're, they're going to get named eventually. It just hasn't happened yet. Do you want to try naming them now? No, they're gonna. They're probably going to be named as dedications to people. So it'll be like legitimate names, but I'll make them sound kind of good. Cool. Like it won't just be like a full name. It'll kind of like, I'll kind of like disguise it a little bit. So it just sounds like a, you know, a cool room. Yeah, like. But it'll differentiate. Honor somebody though. That's kind of the thing to do. Yeah. Especially in a comedy city like Toronto, who are some of the biggest names that you would even maybe consider naming those rooms after? No, I, I actually, uh, I'm sorry, I'm working through the process of having one of the rooms named after somebody, and the, there's like, it's just taking time to get through all the like red tape or whatever. So I was just there two weeks ago, saw the Skechersons 10th anniversary show. Oh, which one? I saw the one where you were sitting on a park bench. Got it. Friday yeah. night. Yes, that would have been Friday. So you saw Ben Mulroney and Strombo having a knife fight. Yeah. That was was, I didn't expect to see either of them. And then you saw both of them. And then I saw both of them. (laughs) Uh, I used to work at CTV and Much Music with those guys for many, many years. Ben on eTalk and George on Much, of course. So to see those guys now almost be an icon or some some sort of this little walking uh Toronto legend a few more names uh it adds to our roster of talent i mean those two guys can play a small club and get the whole room going and make a bit out of their relationship you know that doesn't really exist in the states i find i think there's no teammates there's no like those guys are are on each other's sides or against each other for whatever business on a lot of stuff if you see the ward shows that go on they're they're very good playing off the straight and the the george we'll say (laughs) uh ben Mulroney did a video this year for uh my 24-hour stand-up um charity thing that i do and he uh and he used the whole video to call out strombo it was it was really funny any examples and, uh he told him that he was going to take a dump in this iconic red chair he nice said if you're, that's uh, pretty good said that you're uh um uh his boyfriend yeah, i can't remember but yeah was, there was a lot was of good funny. stuff a lot of stuff had to be like bleeped out or whatever right yeah um, yeah 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 it was he said, really oh, funny he said something about having tickle fights with David Suzuki and Rain Maida. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was pretty it great. Was pretty great. <laughs> ben has to kind of push the envelope a little bit more. Well, he's not as cool, <laughs> and I do throwing down the yeah, air yeah, quotes, I'll, says George. I'm a, big, I'm a big Ben Mulroney fan because a lot of people think he's cheesy from what he does on, right. on TV, and he will take any opportunity to, to like, uh, knock down that image. You know, like, he'll... Uh, Anytime someone gives him an opportunity to be funny, he eats it up. He loves it. Yeah. Right. Oh, and this is him almost connecting to that other side of the spectrum of the other yeah. demographic. Because, you know, Skedrasons, it is a documented evening. But, but Ben Mulroney's demographic that he hits, you know, during uh, the day is definitely not the same as the, the 50 people he's really impacting that night. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was more than 50 people. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, no. Uh, like 120 people. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was sold out. It was sold out. Anyway. I was um, talking about the people he was connecting to, you yeah, know. Yeah. Maybe that other 70 people were the people that already connected to him, you know. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. the parents. You know. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. But, but like Pat was saying, he had a gr- like he had a great time. He really loves to have an opportunity to play against type. Uh, I think they all do to to just have an opportunity to cut loose with people that where they are protected. You know what I mean? Like they're amongst a, a group of people who have a certain sensibility that is that it's going to um, uh, sort of protect whatever persona they represent as well. What? So it all fits. What do you see the comedy bar in five years? What did you see five years ago? What, what did you think the metamorphosis of your bar comedy club? Did you think it was going to be where it is now? You think you're going to have 10 years of the Skechersons? Yeah, I like this question. What did you think five years ago? Five years ago, I thought I was going to have... Pat. <laughs> five years ago, I thought I was going to have uh, a rectangle in a basement where me and my buddies could do some shows sometimes. And I thought that... If often enough uh, people were doing shows, then I could, um, then I could like, basically, I could be like in LA trying to do comedy there and just collect a paycheck via like, you know, email cash transfer and not even be here or something like that. I don't know. I don't know really what I thought. I just thought that, um, I, you know, I thought there was, I thought the scene was weird at the time and that we could streamline everything and put it all in one place. Uh, there was a lot of like shitty rooms that you had to play in and, you know, bad management in places. So I thought like if something was like a little more streamlined and organized that it would maybe catch on. It certainly, I, you know, it caught on far more than, than I thought. And then, you know, we sort of carved out a niche with bringing in these comics that, you know, Yucks wasn't going to bring in anyway, right? This this whole, like, you know, American alternative scene and the podcast scene. Like, how many comics have come and done their podcasts at the bar and, and sold the place out? Or even a comic who comes in and does, you know, two stand-up shows and a podcast and the podcast sells out first, you know, for someone who's famous as a stand-up. It's like, podcasting's crazy. Uh, you know, as a medium, it reaches so many people. And you're doing it right now. Yeah. And it popular uh, popularizes people. <laughs> you know, I I've had some shows come through the bar that I don't, I haven't even heard of the people at all. And I know who you mean. Um, Pat Thorne. <laughs> no, but, but, and the show sells out because they have a niche audience in Toronto. They have, you know, 500 people in this market that download their podcast and hear that they're coming to Toronto and 20% of those 500 want to come watch the show and they sell out with a hundred people. And they do that. You know, I met a guy who was running a podcast out of Chicago. I'd never heard of the podcast. And they were touring like 
25 cities in 30 days and they were you know going to rooms that hold 75 to 100 people and selling out every city are you mm. an ex-comic now mm. owner and proprietor and artistic director we were yeah but, uh, pat and i were doing sketch together since like 2000 2001 um and uh yeah we did all kinds of shows together i do i do mostly improv now uh mostly out of necessity uh, when the bar was first starting up, it was a lot of work, so it was easy just to show up and play a show. And, you know, because if you didn't have the time to put in the work beforehand. Like, it's it's funny, right? Like, uh, Pat does a lot of stand-up. I love stand-up. It, it's a lot of work to put in, uh, you know, beforehand. Like, like <laughs> and, and you have to constantly be working at it, and then you have to enjoy it enough that you can make it feel fresh every time you go on stage. And... I have trouble uh, keeping up that lie sometimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I love doing material for the first time or maybe the first five times. And then I just, I just, I can't fake it. I start saying how I really feel and then, and then it goes so shit. Do you find now as a business owner that you have not been involved as much as creative side or what takes over? Do you find I, that you have I, to release the, no, I thought the first two years were the hardest. I was, I was completely disengaged creatively. Uh, it was the first two years, the business could have closed at any time. So it was, you know, hundred percent focus on getting the place busy and popular and also being a part of, you know, creating an atmosphere that made it feel like a clubhouse for everybody. So, you know, I was drunk almost every day. Uh, I want, it needed to be a party. It needed to be the place where everyone wanted to be. And, and that was honestly a big part of having it survive. Now I'm there a lot less uh, and I get to focus on my own personal pursuits comedically a lot more. Even something like Twitter is just a nice outlet that when in the moment it strikes you, if you see something funny, you can write that joke down and just send it out. You know, I don't know if there's anything to being able to assemble all of those and turn it into material, but it's still a nice outlet to like send out something stupid. The The other thing I'll say is, I, you know, I didn't expect there to be uh, as much responsibility in terms of the community, uh, you know, aspect of the bar. Like uh, there's there's a lot of balancing that has to go on between, you know, things that are good and things that are not good. And. Uh, how much do you nurture things that are not good so that they become the next wave of things that are shows? Like, if you want to keep a community going, you have to continue to evolve and grow. Uh, I could easily just say, hey, this is a showcase venue only and only put up good stuff. And then that would eventually peter out. Uh, because, and you know, you, you came to the sketches and anniversary shows. The shows on Thursday, like the show Thursday night, I had the best time. It was the original cast all back together doing the show. And read through was hilarious. We all laughed. And, you know, all I could think is, oh, why don't we do this anymore? And then I was like, oh, right, because the, the payoff isn't great enough. Even as great as it made us feel, you know. It wouldn't make us feel like that every week. Yeah, it just, it would be, it wouldn't be worth the effort. Because there's no Lorne Michaels walking in and seeing us and going, here's a TV show for all of you, you know? And and because there's that glass ceiling here, you can't put that much effort into, uh, you know, something so that, that requires so much effort to do live. So you had to become an artistic director. You had to become a casting director. You had to become what's good, what's bad. Your radar had to be on top of everything that came into the door. That's what you mean by building the community. It's become that more lately, yeah. Um, 
you know, you I have more I've, today. I, there are far more people that want to do a show than I have room to book. So and what's worth you booking? Is so what it so, comes down so now to. I have to be selective, whereas right. I didn't have to be before I, I, you know, in the in the first year, I was struggling to make sure I had one show every night. Because if we did, were the, the venue is entirely event based, if there's not a show booked, we won't open because no one will be there. People don't go there just to like socialize and hang out as a bar. They go there to go to a show. So, and then they end up staying and socializing. So if I don't have a show book, no one's there. And in the beginning, we didn't have the cabaret space yet. That just was a lounge area with couches and stuff. And if, so it was only the one room. And if, you know, and I was, I was struggling to make sure I had one show every day. So that it was worthwhile to be open because y you have staff to pay. They're scheduled to come in. You, you know what I mean? You have, you got to pay hydro, you got to pay your rent. So it was just a, a struggle to make sure we had one thing every day. And now we have two things in the main space every day and two things in the cabaret every day. So you, you went from fighting to get 30 shows a month. And now I have a hundred and almost 20 shows every month. Uh, and, and, and I'm turning people away, your which aunts? I'm trying to be careful not to do yeah. because if I turn too many things away, something else will arise out of that. You're answering my question about the future of the comedy yeah. bar because obviously that's what it's come down to. You've only you you have the power in a sense, and I know that's not the the most operative word, but to determine what Toronto gets to see, what Toronto gets to be a part of, as far as the Skechersons' tenth anniversary show or the evolution of that, or or basically any new act that you think has a chance to sell tickets. I, I have an endless. A sub, um, like I, I've, I've become so interested in business uh, through doing this when I had no interest in it before. But it, it's so like, you know, I went to um, the franchise show at the convention center Come just on. out of curiosity. I sure. walked around and looked at what, you know, what buying a franchise costs, what the profit margin is, what the, you know, all that stuff. Just because I know how my business operates, it, you know, I want to be comparative and see you know, profit margins on on uh, franchise aren't great, right? Like a guy who owns a pizza pizza owns three of them, and that's how he makes legitimate money, right? Otherwise, having one, you probably end up working half the shifts there, and then the money you get is okay, but it's not, you know what I mean? You're not rich for, for the amount of effort. So it's not just, is this profitable? It's, is this profitable relative to the amount of effort that has to go into it? That becomes the new question. So... I mean, so so in terms of being interested in business, I have so many ideas in terms of live comedy. Um, right now, uh, the Paradise Movie Theater, which is uh, two blocks west of Comedy Bar, uh, my new I, I have another bar called Baltic Avenue that we opened in March. Uh, that's more of an event space for bands and DJs, and we do a little bit of comedy there. If someone really specifically wants a day, but I'm already booked at the bar, but it's like their birthday show, they just do it at Baltic. So there's a little bit of comedy there, but my landlord there. He just uh, he just bought the Paradise Movie Theater, which has been closed for the last nine years. And he went around and met with a few people and had them pitch ideas of what they would do with it. And he also, before we knew he was our landlord there, he came and scouted out Comedy Bar a little bit. And he, he then he came and met with us and said he'd been coming there for like a week and seeing what our business was like and <clears throat> um, asked what we would do with it. And we submitted a proposal to him and he likes our idea for it. So we're in a partnership with him to open a, a, a large scale venue. Uh, 
they've just started the renovation process. So they're just removing it. The building was built in 1909. So they're taking out all this asbestos and stuff. Uh, but it's it's a big, it'll be like a 400 seat venue. Is that an extra charge? With a balcony. They they That stuff? Yeah, the asbestos <clears throat> removal. It's it's a special permit they have to get and you oh have to gosh. get higher guys to come in and do it. So he's doing a full reno. It might be a year before that place is ready. But that's the kind of big event space that certainly we could bring acts into that are obviously too big to make sense financially, a comedy bar. Uh, it could be the kind of situation where, you know, a group that sells out 11 months of the year with their regular monthly show then does their anniversary show in this bigger venue and they make a bigger deal out of it. So that's a way to help, like, I think, grow the community and create more levels in terms of, you, you know, a lot of the stand-ups now, uh, particularly people that maybe move on from working at Yuck Yucks are doing these tours in these 300 and 400 seat venues where, the, you know, they can really draw a crowd in some of the other markets in the city. We don't have a venue that size in Toronto right now. So, you know, it'll be a good opportunity that way. And, and there will be bands and other things to make it work. It won't be comedy all the time, but that's another thing. Uh, you know, I'm looking at a model. Um, you know, the thing about sketches is, is it's always on Sunday night. So it's not... Even though it is the heart and soul of Comedy Bar, it's not really the main thing. You consider the main thing the thing on Saturday night, probably, right? So, Or even Sunday Live. Well, but that's what I mean. It's still on a Sunday, and 80% of the public you know, is going to go out on a Saturday night, and they're going right. to think that the thing they're seeing on a Saturday is on Saturday right, because it's right. the best. You know, Sunday Night Live is more like an industry show for those in the know that live in Toronto, you know, that are like urban downtown people that know about a really cool show going on. And I think there's a way to, you know, do something closer to what Second City is doing in terms of having like a review or having a review venue that competes on that level in terms of like a longer run and people getting paid and things like that. What's so, your relationship with Second City? I, I, I get along with them. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of the same. All the comedy venues, everybody works everywhere. So Right. You, but I feel like comedy bar and second city have a little bit more of a similar vibe than say the absolute comedies and the yuck yucks sure i mean i would say the stand-up segment at comedy bar has more in common with the absolutes and yuck yucks and the the sketch and improv segment has more in common with second city right they really are different communities that all come together toronto's really grown into its own with the improv scene it's really oh, yeah. eating it up I, I i know tons of uh stuff that's going on the at the lot too that w and uh i could just name a few friends that just even when i went to school didn't think they'd end up in improv and it just makes sense for their their lines of work there's just so many talented improv workers and and actors in the city you know it's funny like it, the improv scene in chicago is massive and and even in new york and, and la like the the theaters like io and and ucb have literally thousands of students and second city in Toronto, their training center is, is packed, just packed. They, they can't, they can't add enough classes. So, you know, and some people just are addicted to the idea of having something to go to taking an improv class is like being in a darts league or something like totally. for some people, for Absolutely. some people, yeah. you know, for some people, they want to make it. They want to be the star on the main stage of Second City. But for some people, they just want to have that activity they do with a group of people every week. I'm actually and in an improv darts week. It's, <laughs> it's a meeting. We, we kind of just like throw it at the board yeah. and hope for the best. Yeah, there's no dartboard. There's no darts. <laughs> we improvise them all. And then whatever we, whatever we throw at the wall, we just get a word. 
And then... <laughs> so you're on... See, okay, now, I was just kidding before. Yeah, but, but this could be a is, thing. Yeah, this is, yeah. is a thing now. It's actually <laughs> happening at the Comedy Bar Thursday nights. It's going to happen at Baltic Avenue the second, yeah, every, every second Wednesday, and it's called <laughs> Improv Darts Night. We're What's the go- address? Comedy Bar, 945 Bloor Street West. Baltic. 875 Bloor Street West. Okay, so you literally 100 numbers. Yeah, 50, 50 places away. Yeah. That's a budding neighborhood, too, because to be honest, it's really Korean town, Koreatown, and, you know, like it's, a little yeah, bit a little... into the getting kind of sketchier, but it's kind of gentrifying with the rest of the Parkdale runoff. Yeah, the, cri- the, cri- the uh, like Christie, you know, between Bathurst and Christie is really like Koreatown. Uh, our, our area, when I first moved in there was a lot, five years ago was a lot more terrifying than it is now. Every time right. something closes, something a little cooler opens and we got our, a McDonald's now. Yeah. We got a McDonald's. We got a 24 yeah. hour McDonald's. That's bad yeah. for a comedy club no, to know, have right next to it. Would, what I always say about that McDonald's is that I, um, that I had really mixed feelings, like I was, like didn't want it to happen, and then it like took too long to open. <laughs> Here, here's here's the thing. So the McDonald's is between Baltic Avenue and Comedy Bar, and I have to walk back and forth a lot. And I literally, the, the, here's the thing: the difference between whether I go into McDonald's or not is if the light is green or red. Like yeah. on that corner. Yeah, yeah. If the oh, light's God. green, if the light's green, I can walk right by and not even think about it. The problem, but if the fa- light's red and I'm going to be stuck standing outside anyway, I might as well go in and get something. The other that's thing, just I'll say it. Is, that's a problem with McDonald's. It's the something. It's like yeah. I have two dollars in my pocket. Yeah, yeah. However, if there's a lineup, I I leave immediately because I. Here's the thing. It is the worst thing in the world for you. And you can justify walking in and someone just handing you food and like like it happened without your brain turning on. Right. But if you go in and stand and in line yeah. and wait for someone yeah. to give you something that's so terrible for you, you you're you, it's a death wish. You you I, hate yourself. It's impressive <laughs> to think how many justifiers we have to eat that in the first place. Yeah. Because it's as simple as oh somebody opened the door for me I'm not gonna go in or. You know, that guy in there looks shady. I mean, generally in a downtown Toronto McDonald's, there's always going to be that guy. So I just try to use any kind of excuse that I know is going to try to prevent me. But it's a clear shot, though, and I have the jingle of the change in my pocket. And I walk right, and it's like 4 a.m., and I've already made a lot of bad decisions that night. The best bad decision to finish it all off Well, I'll tell you, I'm trying trying really hard to eat good right now in a New Year's kind of way. And and it is way, way, way harder than going to McDonald's. Uh, yeah. You have to like make stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, and so, you like have... buy groceries and turn them into things. Yeah, yeah. But but and but the thing is, you have so you you have a lot of good McDonald's jokes. Yeah. So it is kind of good that now you could probably have even more McDonald's jokes. <laughs> Favorite McDonald's <laughs> items? Um, uh, it's it might be quarter pounder with cheese. McChicken with Mac sauce. I'm a big Mac know. guy all the way. You're a big Mac guy. No, I need. I need, I need the bread, the sauce. It's too much bread for me. I know. The, the, the I know. Mac sauce is unreal. Mac sauce on the McChicken. Yeah. I, I, they come in the packets now. Or do they have to? Do you have to ask for it? Yeah. I'll tell you this. McNuggets, I heard the other day they sometimes. started charging for it though. Yeah, I heard that. McNuggets. If you get them like at the right time. <laughs> That's like Tim Hortons. Uh, it's all garbage. You're gonna only and pick then other on times. Them. Other <laughs> times they're the worst thing in the world. They're so like. They're gray. It's not breading. What is it? And yeah, weird. it's like and it's there's like, no uh, way that's breading. That's the, the outer kind of, part of the chicken just fried. It honestly feels like yeah. it was like the chicken was wrapped in plastic, like like shrink wrapped in plastic, and then they just put it, they burnt it, and somehow there's like this like crispy plastic on the out. Like, I think they really, they're actually like only, you said sometimes it's great. It's they only the dip it into color except when it's the best. They they started <laughs> they started making poutine. <laughs> 
Uh, it was pretty good. I had to try it, but it was I don't bad. like that they only I did not like they it. make it with a small fries. Which I liked is, it. Which I is like it. my favorite. No, my favorite poutine is in uh, Montreal at a oh, place well, called yeah. Patati Patata, and they do skinny fry poutine. Yeah. Oh, we know Patati yeah. Patata. Oh yeah, skinny fry poutine is where it's at. Mm-hmm. Are you a Montrealer? No, I'm wearing an Expos hat right now. But no, I'm not. <laughs> no. Uh, I, I don't know the comedy scene in Montreal. Is there one? Is it tough to play to a bilingual crowd? Have you played shows? I've played shows, I've played shows there um, at Just for Laughs and a couple other times. But um, no, there. I mean, you don't have to worry about a bilingual crowd. They have some French shows, but but most of the time the uh, the comedy rooms just draw English crowds. What's just for laughs like? What's it like playing that stage? So who, who are you bumping fun. into? I didn't, I've never played the big stage, the Saint Denis Theater or whatever, like the CBC Gala. I've never done that. I did a well, um, Mike McDonald's got it booked <laughs> for like you know ten hours a day usually. <laughs> I uh, did uh, something for um, I did a set for the Comedy Network, one of their tapings this year for. Uh, at a, a smaller venue called Club Soda, and it was it was a ton of fun. Yeah, Club Soda's a great venue. Yeah, but I uh, yeah, I've never played the the big big theater. And have you played the JFL in Toronto during the the time it's here? Maybe not the same big theater. Yeah, I, but... uh, I did a um, I opened for. I've done a lot of opening spots at the JFL Toronto. I opened for Todd Berry one time, like for like nine shows which is super fun i hope i'm not wrong isn't that when louis ck came and did a spot yeah louis ck uh dropped into the alternative show at comedy bar when when they first talked about they did a summer festival for a while and uh, it didn't really work and then they sort of went back to the drawing board and came up with jfl 42 as as the concept for the toronto festival and they moved it from the summer to the fall and really weird concept by the way yeah, it's it's forty two things you have to see, and then you buy a pass based on like a a gala show, but then you get four credits to go to whatever you want, and each as long as you show up for the show you reserve for, then you get that credit back, and you can reserve for something else. So it's actually awesome because it's like yeah, it's actually a system that works. It's just the forty two is really arbitrary, right? Yeah, the forty there's there's like twenty great shows and then twenty two random things. Okay, right? but like installations, not well, like one year. Not Krispy Kreme was one of the things. Yeah, Krispy like Kreme it wasn't donuts. a show. But it, but because it's forty two things. Could be a show. It's forty two things that you have to do, (laughs) right? The lineup. And so the Krispy Kreme thing was, if you go in with your pass, you get a free donut. Right. And it's like, oh, it's in that they, little Krispy Kreme, yeah, 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 little dicky one. Yeah, they did it with Fahrenheit this year, the coffee shop right by my house, which is over on the East End. But it's like, apparently voted the best independent coffee shop, so they were a partner and got involved and were like, hey, if you come by with your pass, you get a free coffee. They like, made hipsters go to the East End. <laughs> uh, yeah, but but in between the East End, not even Leslieville. Oh, like so, the no man's land. Oh, yeah, no man's land. Was even... made a coffee shop. Yeah. Isn't that where like Claudette's is, or the? It was like it's right at uh, Richmond and um, uh, uh, Church. Richmond and Church is where Fahrenheit is. Right. There, okay. Right? Okay. So... And that Krispy Kreme was like Dundas and Beverly. No, no, no it's, it's uh, Harvard and Bathurst. Harvard. Yeah. But it was so... funny. The first guy, the first guy we wanted to bring to the bar when we were like, "Hey, l- let's get into the business of also bringing in talent," was Andy Kindler, who's our favorite comic, and then. When JFL moved to the 42 model, they're like, what do you want to do? And I was like, uh, we have to do the alternative show the same as you do it in Montreal with with Kindler. And they were like, okay. And I was like, our alternative scene's massive. People will be into that. And yeah, it's 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 like a highlight part of the festival. The best show. So 
and everybody comes. And it's funny when Louis was doing the shows at Sony Center, I was like, I said I thought that Louis was going to come. And then I said to when Kindler got to town, I was like, uh, hey, do you, do you think Louis is going to come? And he was like, I don't know. We're not as good of friends as we used to be or whatever. I don't know if he'll come by. And I was like, that was a good Kindler. And I was like, the, no, top, no, of it, the top of it was good. And he was like, uh, but he, he said, he said, I said, I think he's going to come. And you had a feeling you had no idea, no talk with his agents before, no, no communication just, with him, no phone call from Louis himself. Of course not. I, I know, you know I was, I was a long he, shot. He, he, like, he books his own flight to the festival in his own hotel room so that even the festival can't get a hold of him. Oh, really? Yeah, he does like his whole um, own thing. He knows thing. what he's doing. So he, um, so I had a feeling and uh, I went to the Sony Center show and uh, with my girlfriend and then she wanted to go home after. Uh, and I was like, I was like, I was ready to go home too. So it was fine. And then we got to the house and I was like sitting in the car and I was like, you know what? I have to go back to the bar. I just think he's going to go there. And she's like, yeah, go for it. And I was halfway back to the bar and my bartender texted me and was like, Lucy kid just came in the door. And I was like, I fucking knew it. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I got, I, I got there five minutes later and, uh, he was just waiting in the dressing room, like chatting with the comics and, uh, Mark, uh, Mark and our, our technical director. He, he's been there forever. Yeah. He's, he's, he's one, he, I have known him since I was 12 years old. He's one of my oldest friends. So he tweeted out, Hey, uh, inside scoop Louis at the bar and the, the show was pretty full, but the alternative show is the last show of the night. So it's already a long show. It's been like two hours and you know, Louis got off stage at Sony center and he's like, what else is going on? And that's how all the comics feel. They're here for a festival. Anyway, they're like, they look at the schedule. The only late thing happening is this show. So they all end up coming over trying to get a set. You no, know, I I'm uh, reacting. My eyes are just bulging <laughs> out of this in my head. right so now. So so many comics all of a sudden started flooding in through the doors. And there were stories of people who were like about to go into the subway and then got the tweet and then came back and like uh yeah just people who bicycled there from wherever they were in the city like all this stuff and so then i was in the booth with mark and he got the like louis i don't think thought anyone knew he was there but mark like the bartender ran and told mark that he was there mark tweeted it out the room was already pretty full and then mark queued up the theme from louis so that when Andy Kindler's like, oh, hey, also, we have this one other guy here. You probably know him or whatever. And as soon as he said Louis C.K., boom, the, the song also dropped, which surprised Louis. He was like, whoa. Uh, but the, there was guys in the back row, like, hugging each other and screaming and, like, every phone. <laughs> it was crazy. It was mental. And uh, I, I was just laughing my head off, right? It was great. And then he did, like, 15 minutes of, you know, the same material he had done at Sony Center, but it was, like, you, you're seeing it in a completely different way. Like, it was... The, even the nuance of how it was performed was 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 changed to to suit a room like that, and I think he wanted to do that. I think going in front of thirty five hundred people at Sony Center and a hundred people at County Bar are two totally different things, and I think he wanted to go. He was really playing to that crowd that eats him up. And uh, at twenties, the thirties, yeah. like no one who's spending seventy dollars to go see him at Sony Center is going to appreciate him as much as two dollars, five dollars, ten dollars free at the comedy bar well it's weird like in la it's just like like in la we saw him a couple times just at ucb uh, yeah. you know on a tuesday night yeah. where the show's five bucks and they're just trying stuff you know like and, and a bunch of guys always drop in and do that it's just a different you it's, well, it's la just that we don't have a star system here yeah or we would feel the same way about the people about yourself we see doing shows all the time yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah there i mean that's where they live, so that's where they go to work out their stuff, and it's it's cool. But yeah, relatively speaking, like Pat started a TV show this year on a main network 
is nominated for a TV award that, that just oh, yeah. was announced yesterday. It's like that's that's an equivalent to the community there, except that we don't have that star system in place for that to be as valuable as it should be to the public. Uh, it's getting there, I think. I still think there are young comics and Humber kids that come into the bar and see, you know, Pat or Mark Forward or Mark Little and are like a little bit in awe of that. I think that's something that we've cultivated uh, with the bar, which is cool. But Yeah, yeah. And I think I think uh, you don't even notice it happening. I think mm-hmm. a lot of times it'll be like, like teenagers come to the bar and then I just notice that they're looking at me weird. And I'm like... Oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> when did that when did that start happening? When did that start happening to uh, you, Pat? To me? Yeah, cuz I I've worked with a lot of the the TVO kids guys, you know, like oh, yeah. Kevin Brosh yeah, and yeah. those guys and they say now it's like when uh they're walking around Toronto and they're talking to girls at the bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, by their, it's almost like a seven year difference between the girls that know him from Food Network and the girls that know him from TVO Kids, especially right, in Toronto, right, right, right? right? So he has to really be careful because he, he actually, he, he said to me once, uh, I have to judge if I'm going to continue talking to them based on how they know me. If they know me mostly from the Food Network, yeah, 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 yeah. we're good to go. That's if they know me from TVO Kids, probably not a good idea. <laughs> Uh, when did the look start happening? I mean, to be honest, Pat, when I saw you again recently, mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're recent friends through Dan and, and Heldrick through mm-hmm. their garage show. And the first night they brought me, they're like, oh, come see our friends. This is going to be a cool underground thing. I, I really I had no idea. Yeah. It was actually a friend of a friend who brought me and it was ideally the coolest thing ever free comedy show the names that somebody threw by me i was like come on this is this is impressive yeah the garage show's nuts with the like but you headlined you're spanning all this other stuff so you must have people and especially toronto that's what's great about the sketchersons you know that's what's great everybody has a friend of a friend in the sketchersons and i think that kind of scene in toronto (laughs) that's pretty true yeah yeah the sketchersons is uh is, is something that we're very proud of because it's like you know, there are like 40 people now. Maybe, I went to high school with Laura Silvitz. M- yeah. More that are, that are like, like, you know, once you're a Skechersen, you're a Skechersen for life. You know, and like, uh, it's like there's this enormous family. That's, uh, it's a pretty cool thing. Pretty cool thing. What's I don't know future? what your question was. <laughs> when when, when, well, the, when well, did you start, when did it start happening more? Like Hotbox or? Yeah, Al, I Al guess. Al even before that, I guess. Yeah, I would say that, that. Um, more than anything, people uh, people know me from the owl, from the owl and the man. Yeah, that uh, if, uh, if people like stop me to, no, actually, Space Janders. Um, I've been having more people like stop me on the street and, and talk to me about Space Janders, so it's been a big deal too. What do people say to you when they come up to you? There's gotta be there's gotta be a couple or some kind of. A lot of people yell, "Hey, it's the owl!" <laughs> <laughs> I, like yeah, yeah. Though oh, I yeah. was there once when oh, it was yeah. the Zantac chicken and not oh yeah, right. another oh, time. Nice. Another time that's you were right. a bird, nice. that's right, but not the owl. Zantac I chicken. Had a, a Zantac commercial that ran for three that. years. Totally. <laughs> I was dressed as a a chicken. Pretty good. So what's pretty good? I'm dressed as a lot of things. What's the future of Pat dressing in animal costumes? What's next? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, oof. We'll see. We'll see. I may be done with the animal costumes. But uh, I don't know. 
There's no telling what the what the future is. Well, I mean, the real question I wanted that to be is what, what's the future of the Skechersons? What's what's the next big move for them? Longevity well, the wise, exists. We got a ride on this 10 year anniversary. Mm-hmm. What are you guys doing? Well, the 15 year <laughs> one's going to be nuts. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, <laughs> something I I started. Uh, I had the idea for uh, in like last year was to start doing alumni shows uh, a little bit more frequently. So we did one back in June. Uh, I was going to do them twice a year just to keep uh, to have an opportunity for everyone to get back together, no matter what else you're working on. Uh, and it gives the current cast a week off uh, because it is a lot of work to write a new show every week. And so for them, uh, so that they don't burn out, it would be nice for them to get a week off here and there and then have the alumni all get back together and just do this one show together again. And that could spur ideas for other things. I know it's sort of the responsibility. It's kind of layered. The responsibility is always on the current cast to push the show as far as they can push it in terms of, you know, whether they want to try and, you know, have a YouTube channel and be uploading all kinds of video content or, you know, even with the alumni, um, uh, you know, we have opportunities to do things. There were there was a time where there was one cast working on the show, and some alumni had worked on a completely se- separate project together. So, the, like he's like Pat said, there are forty people out there trying to do stuff, yeah. and sometimes there'll be sketches projects, and sometimes there'll be just some of the people within that. And sometimes it'll be one person just doing their own thing with people that have nothing to do with sketches. Like we did a show on uh, by TV called Comedy Bar, uh, that ended up really being a sketches project. For the most uh, part, yeah. yeah. It was had a lot of uh, people in it, and that was good. Yeah. Got, got, <laughs> got, got like, we're really lucky for like a small bite TV show to get people like Scott Thompson and Colin Mockery and, you know, Don Ferguson and all these people to like play really ridiculous roles for us. Like yeah, to write Gavin the stupidest and, ideas in yeah. the world. Yeah, Gavin Crawford. And like just write really stupid ideas and ask them to do it and then be like, yeah, sure. Sounds cool. <laughs> is it hard to avoid falling into the Saturday Night Live kind of model when you have such a cast and almost like this show that is evolved around different hosts or different like alumnus? You know, the, it almost the, seems... the show is almost the show is exactly that Saturday model. Night Live. Right. Yeah. No, yeah, we weren't we weren't shy about that from the beginning. I mean, like we started it. Uh, Gary and I saw a, a Ground League show in L.A. in two thousand three, and. Um, and it was, uh, we've been doing sketch in, in a, a smaller group, just me, Gary, and Tal uh, Zimmerman, in a group called Todd's Lunch. And we uh, we did a, a tour, and we ended up uh, finishing in Vancouver, and Gary and I drove to L.A. just to hang out for a little bit. And we saw this Groundling show, and it was really cool, because it was... Uh, because it just had a, like a young crowd and it had like live music and just a huge cast and all this energy. And we were like, uh, and then driving home from L.A., we were like, oh, OK, we got to do something like this in Toronto. And then and then uh, we came up with the idea of of, well, if we're going to do that, let's rip off Saturday Night Live. And it ended up being a, a great plan because it um, we made a lot of friends having different people host all the time like it uh building your network yeah it ingratiated us with the community with the right community, away yeah. um and uh which is tough like, in people a sense. wanted to host it was a big deal to be asked to host in, but in those first two years like yeah. people really wanted to do it and it was really and and we were really obviously we wanted them to do it uh, so that was really cool and you know i i always say like in that first year of the show around may we the, the show started january 4th 2004 and in may of that year 
Nikki Payne hosted the show on May Long Weekend and then joined the cast after the show. Uh, and we were sold out that night and we stayed sold out, turning people away for the next eight months uh, every Sunday. Yeah. Like easily turn it. We were, we didn't know what to do. We were like, do we do two shows every Sunday? Like we were trying to decide what to do. We didn't want to, you know, alienate our audience or have one full show and one show with 20 people. And there was just, we were putting so much work into it and it was so big and we were getting all kinds of press. We had articles in all the dailies and all the weeklies, like really good press. And, you know, people from the networks would come and watch and then nothing happened. And, had something snowballed like that in LA, everybody on that show, either we would have been offered a show to create together as a group or as individuals, people would have been hired out of the show, just just plucked out of it and been put on, uh, you know, maybe SNL, like maybe real SNL, but maybe, maybe mad TV, but maybe mad TV, maybe, uh, you know, daily show, whatever it was, there there would have been a bit, you know, the Reno 911, whatever it was, people would have been plucked out of it just based on uh, the absolute hype of it. And because we were here in Toronto and in Canada, people came, nodded, acknowledged that it was hype, and then nothing happened. Yeah, yeah, our industry is a limping idiot. (laughs) (laughs) What are the main causes of that? Why is the Toronto scene not able to have that ability to produce shows from uh, Skechersons cast. You mean the you mean the TV network? Sure. Or uh, the or the podcast network or the YouTube, you know what I mean? It's it's all kind of about numbers, we know that. Yeah. And and when it comes down to it, but in the sense if you just get a pocket, you know, a gimmick or or a niche in the market, that's all you really need in Canada. And you have yeah. that, but if somebody came along and said, Hey, we want to do a CBC sketch show. You guys would say yes, of course. And mm-hmm. yeah, but the, it doesn't happen because, uh, I mean, <sighs> networks interest <laughs> in doing sketch comedy goes in waves. So sometimes, yeah, there was a little show called comedy Inc for a while there. Yeah. Comedy Inc was lasted five or six seasons and that was a CTV comedy network show. So they weren't going to make sketch since they had sketch already. Um, uh, and CBC was making oh, 22 minutes and air force at that time. So that was there. So they weren't going to be making any more sketch. And, uh, mostly there just isn't, there isn't the viewership to go around, you know, like most people watch American TV and not, not Canadian TV. So most networks make, one or two shows a year because they have to, because it's regulated that they have to. <laughs> uh, but they don't want to. They just want to air American programming because it'll bring in more numbers for them and make their advertising uh, dollars work harder. So, um, yeah, there's a rare, you know, like Murdoch Mysteries is a hit for CBC because it's a, a period show that it fits their demo exactly. Right. And that's good. But in terms of comedy, yeah, it's, you know, it's. I mean, Rick, Mer- you know, Rick, the Rick Mercer report is a popular show because, I, you know, he's a charming guy who's been around and established as someone that people recognize for 25 years. Yeah. And because, you know, it, the show got to the point where, you know, he's like out riding a tractor in Saskatchewan and like meeting every person in the country for these bits on the show, you know, and it's like, I mean, we are so, we're in such a bubble in Toronto because it's almost like. We are an American city in in a way 
and I don't mean that like I don't mean we're America. I mean we're like New York or LA or Chicago. I mean we're a large market that's focused on the biggest things that are happening in North America. And the rest of the country is not necessarily like that, you know? The rest of the country needs a show like Corner Gas to appeal yeah. to them. Yeah, to just appeal to the middle of the country, which is... And a lot of comics don't uh, have that sensibility, so they get frustrated that they can't make a show that because they know their friends in Toronto would like it, but your friends in Toronto are not enough viewers to sustain a show. You need a national audience. Which is why you have the success of Little Mosque on the Prairie and even the Jerry D show. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe Trailer Park Boys. But I've done... Uh, Trailer I've... Park Boys is regional. And, yeah. and it's a, it's accessible. It is a great yeah. show. It's, it's international it's a, now. Yeah. yeah, it's international now. I've done um, uh, three first seasons of things for uh, for CTV. Do and tell. They all died. They all died. Did um, they, any of them air? No, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they all aired. I mean, we. Uh, but, but that's what I'm saying is that I. Um, uh, well, it was I was on a show called Punched Up in 2006. And then I had a hot box in two thousand eight nine, and then uh, and then satisfaction this year. But uh, it's so hard for comedies in this country. How many uh, episodes would they shoot? Thirteen, each of them. So they these seasons exist. Yeah, yeah those are full TV shows, and they just didn't get picked up for a second. Right. Hmm. Who was on the cast with you for the last one? Uh, Ryan Belleville. Um, Ryan Belleville is the one I know. Nikki. Yeah, you and, I don't know. Nikki did know some me. stuff. The other people are actors. Another uh, comedian we mentioned before, Mark Little, also doing very successful with the Jerry D show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a great role for him. Yeah. Who are some of the favorite local guys that you guys like playing with or hosting? Uh, we have James Hartnett come on our podcast a bunch. He's super funny. Yeah, James Hartnett's really, really funny. Uh, My favorite stand-up in the country right now, I think, is Mark Forward. He's... Uh, I just love watching him. He's so weird. <laughs> uh, what was it like seeing Louis C.K. and then that precedent after that? What was it like the next day? Did you talk to him afterwards? Yeah, I ta I said hi. Like, you know, he was... He just wanted to get out of there before the crowd let out. Sure. You know, so he kind of... He asked where the exit was. And, and I, I told him and he left. Uh, the next day I came in and I was like, well, that happened. What next? Great. Yeah. Like, as a joke, I said, what next? Because that's it. That's the pinnacle of the business right, right now, now. Absolutely. He's the George Carlin right now. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite comedian you've ever played with? Pat. Oh, I don't know. Like, it that you were, like, awe-inspired. Like, who were you ever... Well, I worked with Pat Oswalt, and that was that was really cool. But it might be Andy Kindler. I mean, that guy makes me laugh so hard. I... Yeah, he's I just cry. the best. Yeah. He's the nicest guy in the world, and then he's so funny. And it's like, I, I think he like 90% knows how funny he is and it's all put on, but then 10% is also actually like neurotic about what's happening and not sure. Yeah. Which, which it's that little bit that puts it over the edge that makes it so funny for me. I also work with Todd Glass, who's another hilarious, hilarious man. Yeah. It's that New York collective. Yeah. Like, these aren't the guys that Jerry Seinfeld are putting in cars and having coffee with. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe Louie, because he's the best of the best. Because yeah. he's on the top of with Jerry and those guys. But, I mean, the Kindlers, the Glasses, yeah. the, the Marins now. You know, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> those guys aren't getting invited for having coffee in cars with Jerry Seinfeld. No, but they're just, they're just one level down. But they're, I like that raw pizza slice eating New York City... <clears throat> comedy when i was at ubc about two years ago 
my surprise show experience was Steve Merchant. Probably the funniest comedian I've ever seen. That week I saw Reggie Watts. Oh, that's awesome. Like I saw a bunch of really good comedians. Steve Josh Merchant Saltzman. Just, just dropped in at a show. And Steve Merchant. Um, ben Oliver. Sorry, what's his name? John from? Oliver. John Oliver from. Yeah. Daily Show. From The Daily Show. I have right. a friend named Ben Oliver. That's that's where that came yeah. from. Uh, he was hosting a UBC night. And Steve Merchant finished the night just by coming on and doing five minutes right and i i wet the entire row because <laughs> i peed myself so hard i was really, awesome. really 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 impressed awesome. with this so what does in new york the the whiplash show is that what this was it, it, it was a free show which blew me away so it was in the east end ubc ucb right? UCB. ucb sorry um yeah. It was a couple years ago. Yeah. It was a free show. I think it was like oh, a Sunday been... night. Okay. Or you might have been ASCAT. They were or all improvising have... together? No. It no, it was a lot of stand-up. It was a lot of stand-up. Bucket. Anyways. Anyway. Anyways, guys. Anyway. Just whatever. Just show shows or whatever. Favorite pre-show mm-hmm. eats. What, what are you grabbing other than McDonald's <laughs> before you go and do a show or you're busy for the next two hours doing a sketch or something? What, do you, what has to be in Pat's belly? What has to be in my belly? Um, I don't know. I'm pretty pretty easygoing. Chicken wings go well with comedy. Always have, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. And what's the drink you're walking into and having at the bar, at the comedy bar? Uh, you, I'm either having a soul or a vodka soda. Generally. Yeah, yeah. Not the, not the Gary Ride Out heart attacks anymore, huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> I invented a drink. It's pretty popular. It's on the hidden menu. If you want to go in and order a Gary Rideout heart attack, uh, feel free. What's in the Gary Rideout heart attack? I can't discuss it. It's not legal, but... But it's about uh, 13 bucks? Yeah, great drink. It's really good. Is it's it actually really on the menu? Good. It it's is, really yeah. Good. You can ask for it. And if I'm around, you should ask me to make it, because I'm pretty liberal in terms of my poor. Um, are you guys TV watchers? Movie watchers? Uh, both. Yeah. What are you guys watching? Are you were you in the AMC groups of shows, the Breaking Bads, the Mad Men's? Are you into the Archers, yeah. the like, Adventure uh, Times? Um. Yeah, more the the Breaking Bad and and Mad Men. I'm. Uh, I don't know. Really into uh, watching Downton Abbey right now, and uh... I haven't started that yet. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm up to date on like I watch Walking Dead as it plays. Uh, I watch Game of Thrones as it plays. That's a good way of stating it, as it plays. Yeah, well, like, you know, because I also, well, I burned through some stuff on Netflix. Sure. Um, I, uh, I watched all of Spartacus. I thought that was an awesome series. Uh, a lot of people don't really know about it, but I thought that show was wicked. Um. I can't do the history stuff so much. Yeah, Boardwalk lost me after last, I watched the first, the first two seasons were awesome. Then, you know, I thought... They kind of... Wow, I thought season three was unbelievable and season four was a bit of a downer. I didn't... I that's Here's the thing. I haven't watched season four. Season three, I just didn't... I, I was lost because I thought Jimmy was the lead of the show for me. Oh, okay. Uh, through those first two seasons or the dynamic between the two. And it was more about uh, Buscemi trying to like not lose his humanity. And once, spoiler, Jimmy was gone, he was just all bad. There was no trying to decide between the two. <laughs> And so season three, he's just evil the whole time. And you're like, that's not as compelling to me as a guy who's evil and also trying not to be evil. Uh, though the bad guy in season three was amazing. So that's yeah, kind of what saved that I'm season for me. Yeah, he's unbelievable. Yeah. And then season four, I didn't watch, but I heard it's like all chalky, which is like worth watching it for that. And I heard it's slow. And then the last four episodes you know, are really you know good. what happened to me? I mm-hmm. um, 
I was waiting for uh, my girlfriend to catch up with me in the episodes that I'd watched, and then it disappeared from from uh, on demand with one show left. So I haven't no. seen I haven't seen the last. Episode. Wow, that's nuts. Yeah, I have to see that. Uh, but Pretty Spart- mad at her. Spartacus. <laughs> Spartacus, they did they did the first season, and then the actor, the lead actor, got cancer. So then they did a prequel season five years in like the five years prior to that, and and then that se- as season two ended, it almost led up to the beginning of the original season, and then they thought he was going to be okay, and then he passed away. So then they recast the role, but because they, there'd been this in between season where he wasn't there anyway, it kind of like smoothly fine, yeah. transitioned and uh, and then it picked up. And the sort of the lead from the second season and and the and the original Spartacus character were both relevant in the third season. It was a really well done. Show. I'm Breaking Bad guy through and through. I'm having trouble kind of adjusting since it finished. I haven't seen an episode. I really I like Who's the anymore. Boss. I'll tell you this: that's I'm, a great show. I'm really into. Life. I I have one episode <laughs> yeah. left in the second last season of Gossip Girl. Is, is that cool? Good? Yeah, I like I like cool, obscure cool, stuff. Man. I like reality. So, I like some Survivor. I'm about to start the final season of Gossip Girl. It's really. Uh, I'm watching that new Robin Williams show. On CBS, yeah, it's it's pretty good. Yeah, really, you know, it will get picked up for another. I like season. I like Parks and Rec. I like Parks uh, and Rec's un, probably the best show on TV right now. Yeah, I like that a lot. I Gossip like, Girl's terrible, and I've just watched into, so much of it. Uh, Is that a girlfriend induced? Right yeah, yeah. Oh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine's great. Yeah. He won the Golden Globe. Yeah. The show won the Golden Globe. Uh, Veep is really nice. I oh, uh, Dreyfus. Yeah. yeah, killer. I'll watch anything. I liked Orange is the New Black. I'll watch anything that's character-based yeah, like that Black. has like a lot of stories. Like I really like Modern Family Yeah, because the writing's really amazing. I mean, Christopher Lloyd, but I mean, it's all the different families and, and their combinations uh, they can combine different the, everybody's funny so when they're combined in different things you get different kinds of comedy it's brilliant some of the jokes on that show are perfect and they're like delivered like throwaways they're just uh some of the best people are working on that show i wasn't into the power watching until uh un- actually the first show i ever watched a season of on a dvd was rescue me and i got i got kind of hooked on it love leary yeah i just really like dennis leary so that was good and then I had to watch The Wire, and never we, did it. And, Couldn't and, get into uh, it. Yeah, I got it. I got Pat. You want to like, you know, honest, guys, I'll, big I'll, bag of popcorn and just plow through seven seasons of it's, The Wire. It's overrated. Come on, it's I overrated. think it's got to a point where it is. But that's what they're probably going to say about Breaking Bad. But it's good. Yeah, that is what you know. Say about like Bad. I, I, I was yeah. hyping up Breaking Bad as much as the next guy, but I don't really know a show that's really had me. Like the yeah. like Breaking Bad has like and he had I, to hang with it because the the first three seasons were good and then it was holy wow. But this is what I'll say. This is what I feel. I feel like you're right because with the wire, I always felt like I was expecting a little bit more, and I think that was based on the hype from everyone. And everyone telling you it's the greatest show they ever saw ever. Yeah. So yeah. then I'm you're and you're trying to put that out of your mind. Um, I never but saw it, it. but it's hard. It's it it is it's it's I fun watched, though I if you like watching shows twice. Yeah, I it took me. Yeah. I, I watched the first two episodes, and then I and then a few months passed, and then I rewatched, and and I had to force myself into it, and I I really did enjoy it. Can you really watch any more Saturday Night Live? I watch it all, every time. And you like it every time? Well, look, man, sketch is uh is what an ever evolving thing, and it's also like completely untested. You know what I mean? Like everything that they put up. Nobody there's done before, right? So, uh, uh, and it's done live. So, well, it's it's risky business every week, forever. And uh, 
I think it's I think it's as consistent as it ever was. I think yeah. I think if you're into it and you like jokes, then uh, then it's a good show. It's a really good show. I, I think uh, sketch. Yeah, I think it's easy to hate too. See, I think sketch comedy is a young person's game, and I think every person who finds that show between the ages of 12 and 15 is going to say that's when it was the best. Yeah, absolutely. And it's because that's when they discovered it and that's when their mind was blown by it. And once you grow out of that show, you can still appreciate it or you can be critical of it because you're more keen to comedy and and you've seen more sketch comedy. But when you're young and you first see that show, it blows you away. And then the people you see in the cast at that time, you think are the best cast of that show ever. And and meet anyone yeah. and talk to them. They'll tell you that... that Dana the, Carvey the, was the, was the uh, star when I started watching that show. And I was like, what? Yeah, and that's it. The, the person who's <laughs> the star in that it. show is the person, is when you think the cast was the best. And, and people will debate that with you all the time. And it's just based on when they liked watching the show. Yeah, well, yeah. this is why I like the Skechersen. You can't... <laughs> I bet in those towns that those are filmed i don't know how many people actually are willing to go and try going on a live stage other than the one that they're paid for i guess uh, at a different kind of scale but with the sketcherson is you have this community that you built yeah it's all friends in the audience that bring it's such a homey feeling but it's more it's more commercially and i know that's not the the best word for it but it the idea here is people are actually willing to spread the word through their social media and talk about yeah, you yeah. guys and you kind of need that to exist right now and you guys are pulling off without it making it feel like, oh, where are my advertising dollars going to or, you know, is the bottom yeah, I mean, I mean, money? It's, it's 10 years in and, and there's always new people in the show that are like promoting it. So there are like people that have come back for a long time to see the show. And then there are like new friends of the new cast that Did are. Did you see anybody that, that you saw 10 years ago in the audience? Yeah. Yeah. What was that like? Uh, yeah, it was my dad. It was, it was Sorry the about first that. time in, in many years uh, that we played with the, on the Thursday night. Well, yeah, with the original we house band. We played with our original house band who uh, who left the show in what, like 2006 Tyler or something. <laughs> he was never in our house band. <laughs> uh, I bumped was... into him on the Friday. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. was pretty cool. You yeah. were a bare naked lady in yeah. the comedy bar. I mean, that's huge. I mean, think about it. That's the kind of operative celebrity that kind of goes really well with the Skechersons kind of celebrity. Yeah, he came, he came in and did a sketch on the Thursday night uh, with oh, us, sweet. which was great. And he's on my hockey team. So I was oh. like, just come by and... Uh, he's a straight up guy. He's awesome. He's yeah. an awesome dude. But like this past weekend, James Adomian was in town. And what I really like is trying to give people the full experience at comedy bars. You know, a Andy Kindler talks about how comedy bar is the best place on earth. And it's like, there's a lot of places Andy Kindler gets to go and do stand up comedy. But the fact that, you know, I basically, you know, said to the festival, he's doing the alternative show here. And then we got to do a show every night in in the way he would ideally want to do a show and, and when we brought him to the bar he did stand up but then he stuck around and did sunday night live and did this sketch show with us that he would never do in la and this past weekend we had james adomi in there and he came in you know uh, he's he's in a he does a lot of incredible impressions right so one of them is um you know the sheriff of nottingham and so we did an improvised version of Robin Hood on Friday night with him starring as the Sheriff of Nottingham. And he's never done anything like that before. And he came in and did it. The show crushed. It was sold out. He had an unreal time. Then he did two sold out stand-up shows on Saturday. And then on Sunday, he hosted Sunday Night Live wow. and got to do Vincent Price and Paul Giamatti and a bunch of his other characters he's that he so does. Good. And he just he, he's just a, a great comic, but also he was like... 
Where else is he going to get to go and do something like that? That doesn't exist even in LA for him to have that kind of opportunity. And he's like this, you know, our market embraces having guests come in and play with us. And, you know, even like, I mean, Adomian's a comic and Kindler's a comic, but like because of Pat's 24 hours, we ended up bringing, you know, Kevin Sorbo in and got him to do <laughs> improv and sketch comedy with us. And it was insane. Yeah, that was really weird. Is he a bright guy? Is he, is he, is it a joke that he kind of plays the not so bright guy? Sorbo. I think he's okay. I don't think he plays not bright. I, he's he's pretty Republican. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you if you're uh, friends with him, on I think Facebook. he answered my question. Uh, <laughs> but he's a bit. He did in one improv scene. He did make an offhanded remark about blaming Mexicans for traffic. Come on. <laughs> well, I was like, that's not a thing here, sir. Yeah, that's that, re- that reference won't go over with this crowd. Uh, but he's. He, you know, he was great. He, he like he was. He's like I haven't done improv since high school, but like he was willing to do it, and it, you know, it was he was a good sport about it. He was a very nice person, had a great time, and put in a good effort. Oh, he's really nice. And some people don't do that, but he also has, you know, he has his very American ideals that he posts about on Facebook a lot. From I, he's I, literally the biggest movie star in the world because, uh, or TV star in the world because. Uh, Hercules still plays in a hundred countries, and Andromeda plays in like ninety or something. Like, yeah. and it, it plays in Andromeda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's insane. Uh, really, That's I just wanted insane. you guys to come here for an hour and a half so I can make Pat laugh. I'm sorry, <laughs> this is the only reason you got I wanted it. You to did come. It. You did it with that Andromeda thing. <laughs> Thank you. I know. Uh, you I know it, he's man. he's uh he's a tough crowd. I'll, I'll tell you that much. Mm, I want to mm. thank you guys for coming. Wow, thank you. Uh, Thanks thank for you for us. Uh, letting us invade your time for the last hour and a half. Do you guys got any Twitters or Facebooks you guys want to plug? How can people see you? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm on Twitter all the time uh, at Pat Thornton. There's um an one more N than you might think there is in in my name Thornton. You got but it, but it's Thornton. Yeah, I mean no, nobody really says the end Thornton. It's a soft Thornton. end, it's but a it's soft. soft. End. It's, it's soft. soft. It's a soft end. It just doesn't fit like. You know, if you hit it hard, it sounds really weird. You have to hit, you have to go soft on it. Thornton. Gary, I'm at Gary Rideau Jr. on uh, just the JR, not the full Jr. But like, that's my Twitter handle. And I'm at Ross Never Sleeps. Thank you guys for coming to Ross Never Sleeps. It's a big deal for me. Um, I want to take you guys out for beer and wings if you have uh, a few minutes after this. Otherwise, Ross Never Sleepers, sleep tight tonight. <laughs>